Howdy guys, welcome to episode 13 of the Sacred City Life podcast. I'm your host, Justin Dean, pastor of Sacred City Church, and I am here with my favorite guest, actually no one, there's no one here but me. Doing something a little different today, I'm going to fly solo for this podcast, and we are going to be discussing the idolization of youth sports. We are going to be talking about one of the most controlling, the most compelling of the American idols, that of youth sports. And so that's where we're going this morning. I hope you stick around. Uh, I think you might be surprised where we end up. Uh, I have a lot of parents asking me these questions, and so a lot of people wanted to hear this, and so that this is my best attempt at answering some of these questions. And just as we're getting go- get going here, I, I want to give you a little bit of my story for those who don't know too much about me. First, I played a bunch of sports as a kid. I can remember playing soccer. I can remember playing baseball. I, of course, took swimming lessons, played bitty basketball. That didn't go well for me. Had to shoot granny to get to the from the free throw line to get the ball up there. Uh, I was never very good, and uh, I never really took anything very seriously. It was just just for fun. Um, I remember skipping practices just to play backyard football with my friends. Uh, backyard football was more fun than going to baseball practice or whatever, so I'd skip and and play that. But then in junior high, uh, I found wrestling and immediately became obsessed with it. Um, Then in high school, I added weightlifting and football to become a three-sport athlete. I spent my entire high school years in the weight room, three to four days a week, 5.45 a.m., wrestling year-round. I would uh, lift weights in the morning, and then I'd go drill some wrestling, do some wrestling, go to school, and then do a wrestling practice in the afternoon, and then go and uh, do some cardio after that, except during football season. During football season, I just lift weights in the morning and uh, and play football. I then went on to wrestle for Augustana College. Then I did uh, MMA for a few years. I even fought once inside a cage. And yes, I am undefeated. <laughs> uh, I then went on to coach high school for eight or nine years in the Quad Cities here. And uh, now where I'm at, I am 39 years old. And I've been doing CrossFit for 10 years. I'm also uh, learning Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I ride my mountain bike as often as I can. This year, 2018, I had a goal to ride my mountain bike 1,000 miles. And I just passed that up last month. Um, And I coach my kids' stuff. So I coached my daughter's soccer this um, fall. I coach my son's wrestling at Bettendorf High School um, right now. And so I want, I say all that to let you know, I love sports. I love being athletic. I love moving. Um, I love competition. I am in no way coming at this topic as some kind of Scrooge or some kind of sports hater. Um, actually just the opposite. I love sports. And so because I love sports, I think we need to do a podcast talking about, uh, the idolization of youth sports. See, here's the deal. To love anything rightly, our loves must be properly ordered, right? You can love a hot dog and you can love your wife, 
But if you love a hot dog more than you love your wife, that inordinate love is going to hurt you and your wife. You, you are clearly overvaluing a hot dog. You could spend too much on it. You could eat it too much. And you are undervaluing your wife. You spend little too thought or too little thought or too little time or too little affection towards your wife. <clears throat> so I believe this is going on right now with youth sports. Our love for sports has eclipsed our love for God. Now, and it could be even our love for our kids in some way has eclipsed our love for God. <clears throat> now, recently, this was brought to my attention um, because I live my life, as most of you do, in a missional community, and I've seen how detrimental youth sports have become to families in our church. An ex-college athlete in my missional community said to me last week, that's what he said, my kids and their activities run our life. <clears throat> I've got four or five kids. I can't remember the last time we had a whole day to just hang out as a family. He said, nearly all our nights are filled with practices. Our weekends are filled with games. In any free time, we are at the Y, shooting hoops, or at batting cages, working on our swing. So he, he was just like, we're out of control. The, the kid's schedule is controlling our life. I know many parents have said this to me. Many parents lament uh, this current reality of youth sports. <clears throat> and what's so scary is that as parents, we think that we're doing all of this because we love our kids. We want our kids to succeed, maybe be more successful than we were. We, were. we want um, sports to develop the character of our kids. We want our kids to have a lot of fun. And our culture actually tells us good parents have their kids in as much as possible and they make sure that their kids have every opportunity to succeed. Whether that's private lessons, whether that's being on traveling teams, whether that's having the same gear as the professionals have. And the reality is, this is absolutely exhausting for parents and for kids. Can, can I tell you a statistic that should be freeing for you if you're dealing with this, this issue right now as a parent? Current youth sports statistics tell us that 75% of all kids will drop out of sports completely by the age of 12. Our kids' success in sports is not a primary marker of their future success. I know our cultures or our, our coaches told us that it is, but it's not. In fact, surprisingly, the number one marker of a child's future success is this. They grew up in a family with both parents who eat together, who eat dinner together three to four times a week. <laughs> Having time together as a family where you're just being together, just hanging out without a screen interrupting or without rushing your kids off to some sport is actually more important to the development of our children than their ability or involvement in sports. 
So if you want healthy, successful kids, the first thing you need to do is spend more time eating dinner together than you do at sporting events. Another father in my missional community last week, we were talking about uh, the battle for Sunday morning. We both agree on the importance of the gathered worship of the saints on Sunday morning, what Revelation calls, quote, the Lord's Day, that we are called as Christians to worship God every day, but primarily, specifically on Sunday, we're to gather together with God's people and to put Him above all else. But every single one of this Father and I's uh, kids' wrestling meets are on Sunday morning. All the team duels, all the team tournaments are on Sunday morning. All of his friends are going to these tournaments. All of his teammates are going to these tournaments. All the other coaches are going to these tournaments. All the other parents are going to these tournaments. So what are we supposed to do? Should we take a hard line, kind of what seems could seem like a little legalistic line and say, okay, we don't wrestle on Sunday at all. Right? It kind of and as a parent that and as a coaching parent, as a parent who's involved in sports, that feels like condemning your child to mediocrity. Right? How's he ever going to get better if he can't go to, to all these team team tournaments and wrestle with all these kids? How's he ever going to do it? Right? Listen, and here's the deal. For a a parent whose kid wrestles, listen, if your kid sucks at basketball, he rides the bench. But if he sucks at wrestling, he gets tossed on his head. Like, he comes off the mat crying every time, right? This, this, there's something in a dad and there's something in in a parent that when you see that happen to your kid, you say, how can I not do everything possible I can to help my kid succeed? And so there's, there's this deep desire in me to say, okay, you know what? Maybe I should just let him go on a Sunday morning. Maybe, maybe I don't have to, you know, say, no, we, we can't wrestle on Sunday because we worship God and we go to church and we gather with the saints right now for me, I'm a pastor. So obviously I have to work most Sunday morning, so I can't go with him. Well, maybe I can just send him with his team and just let him skip church during wrestling season. See Sunday morning is a battle. It has actually become just another day to play sports. Traveling soccer, baseball, dance, swimming, wrestling. I could go on and on and on. They all schedule their competitions on Sundays. Now, what is the thoughtful Christian supposed to do? See, many parents, we fear being too legalistic and just we just give in to the demands of our kids, coaches, and their teams. Like, we don't want to be that parent who, you know, they don't let their kids watch any television, televisions of the devil, and, and so that kid grows up being resentful and, and, and rebellious, um, like the Amish kids that, that do, you know, Rumspringer or whatever, when they become teenagers, they want to run off and taste the world for a few years. We don't want to be legalistic like that. And so we say, oh, it's really not a big deal. But then when your kid's in two or three sports, you know, he's gone five or six weeks for wrestling. He's gone three or four weeks for baseball. He's gone two or three weeks for soccer. And by the end of the year, he's literally missed half of the worship gatherings on Sunday morning. 
right? Now, what are we to do? How are we to think through this? Well, here's the grid that I want to use this afternoon to help us think this issue through. First, sports are good, right? They are fun. They get our kids off of video games and off the couch and out of the house to use their bodies that God has given them. That we are all meant to glorify God with our bodies. And one way we can do that is through training and playing sports. We were made to run and jump, to throw and catch, to wrestle, to swim, to lift heavy things. That's one of the reasons why our bodies respond so positively uh, by releasing hormones that make us feel good and by getting stronger and by looking better, getting a better physique, the more you work out. We were made by God to do them. We were made to be active and physically fit. So that's the first part of this grid I want us to think through. Sports are a common grace Um, something God gave us from creation that are good. Secondly, but here's the reality. When a good thing becomes a God thing, it becomes a bad thing. And that's what I want to talk about right now. Youth sports, and I, I could just actually, I could probably just say youth activities in general have morphed into something that is no longer healthy for our children to be a part of in their current form, all right? And for the Christian, we are called to think critically about this issue. We're not to blindly accept everything the culture gives us. We cannot just follow the masses. Our schedules can't be dictated by our teachers, by our coaches, by our cultural icons. When we accept Christ, Our faith is meant to inform every aspect of our life for the rest of our life. So, to to put it really simply, to worship Jesus is to not worship any other gods, right? 1 John 5.21 says, Children, keep yourself from idols. And he's not just talking about kids, he's talking about all children of God. Keep yourself from idols. And the reality is, youth sports have become an idol. They have become a false god at whose altar a great majority of families in our culture worships. Now, you might disagree with that. Let me give you a little background. Let me me help you see uh, where I'm making this point or how I'm making this point. That, that how do we know that youth sports have actually become an idol? Well, I recently, pre- I'm preaching through the book of Revelation right now. And in chapter four of the book of Revelation, it gives us a glimpse into ultimate reality. And what we find there is God on his throne. He is the master of the universe. He's sitting in the place of power at the very heart of all things. And he is the object of adoration. This is heaven, this is ultimate reality, and this is eternal reality. And one of the interesting things that you see in this scene is that there is God, 
at the center of all things, and then around him, everything else is worshiping. Redeemed humanity is worshiping. Spiritual creatures and angels are worshiping. Everything redeemed in the physical world and everything good in the spiritual world is doing what they were made for, worshiping God and enjoying him. And there in chapter 4, we get a glimpse of at least three aspects of worship. Uh, One, worship gets vocalized. You have the spiritual creatures and the 24 elders speaking their praises. And then in chapter 5, they go on to sing their praises. Worthy of you, worthy are you, worthy are you, worthy are you. So they're ascribing worth to God through speaking and through singing. And so um, whatever it is we worship, we talk about it a lot, we sing about it, etc. Secondly, we see another aspect of worship. We see people and the creatures bowing down before God's throne. Now, bowing is a posture of submission. It is swearing allegiance to someone. It is surrendering the control of your life to another. It's a humble posture before the one whom you swear allegiance to, right? Um, Think of a knight kneeling before a king. He's swearing allegiance. He's saying, basically, my sword is your sword. Whatever you want to do with my life, do it however you want. He's swearing allegiance. He's surrendering control. Um, Everyone in heaven is bowing before God's throne. They're surrendering the control of their life. Okay. Third, the elders, the redeemed humanity, is casting their their crowns before God. Casting their crowns down before God. This means worship always has to cost you something. It takes your time. It takes your talent, time, your talent, your treasure. It takes your money. It takes your effort. It takes your will. It takes your mind, soul, heart, and strength. Worship always costs you something. Now, the point of the book of Revelation, and specifically 4, five, four and 5, is that God is the only being worthy of our worship. He's the only one at the center of all things, and he's the only one glory enough, glorious enough to actually carry the weight of our worship. So everyone around the throne is worshiping God, and they are in absolute and total delight. They are happy and fulfilled because they are doing that which we, they were made to do. So now here's the point. Here's where I'm going. This reality, this is ultimate reality. This is the end for which we should be training our children. We want our kids to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. That is the good life. As good parents, we want the good life for our kids, and that's the end goal. That's the telos that we're aiming at. That, that's the bullseye we want to hit with our kids' life, right? But here's the problem. Many of our homes don't orbit around God, right? Our homes don't revolve around God. They revolve around our kids' activities. Just look at those three aspects of worship and ask yourself these questions. First, in my home, do we talk more about sports than about God? Do we get more excited and expressive at sporting events than we do at church? Do we have more reverence for our favorite team than we do for God. See, the first aspect of worship is you always vocalize that which you worship. 
Have you ever been to a quiet football game? Have you ever been to a quiet basketball game, right? Very expressive, very exciting. Now listen, I don't trust, I'm not going to get into that too much. Secondly, are we bowing down to our kids' activities? Have we surrendered control over our schedules, over our finances, over the culture of our homes to our kids' activities? Right? You could ask yourself, where is the line? How much is too much? Do you have the ability? Do you have the, 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 the moral, you know, the spiritual fortitude to say no to a coach or a team or a parent? Or does the team, the coach, and the parents, do they control you? Can you say no to Sunday activities? Or do you fear the wrath of coaches and parents and your child's peers or even your child? Right? I hear parents say over and over and over, well, he would be letting his team down. What about his Christian family? What about those at the gathering? What about his peers at church? Is he not letting those down when he doesn't show up on a Sunday morning? Lastly, worship always costs you something. Are you spending more of your time, more of your money, more of your devotion on improving your kid's athletic ability than you are on his or her discipleship? Now, this is a real issue. Let me take a drink here real quick. What's more important to you? His curveball or his ability to read and understand God's word? Uh, a mentor of mine, um, his son is, is in college now, but he, his son at, at the age of 12 began to read the Bible um, all the way through, you know, a daily daily reading a year in the Bible, all the way through, he started when he was 12 years old. By the time he goes off to college, he's already read through the Bible six times, right? Now, are we spending time teaching our children how to read the Bible, or are we just worried about their single leg, or worried about their breaststroke, or worried about their batting average, right? And I got to ask you this. In the grand scheme of things, when you look at what you want your son or daughter to become, if you're a Christian, you want him to become a worshiper of God. You want them to become somebody who enjoys to worship God uh, for the rest of his life, the rest of their life, right? So in the grand scheme of things, what's more important? His football game, his baseball game, or the Sunday morning worship of God with God's people? I think if we can honestly pull back and take the 30,000 foot view here and look at the current state of youth sports in our culture, and if we can run our observations through the filter of worship, we can see that youth sports has become 
an idol. I might say that it has become the chief idol in many American homes, even people who claim to be Christian, even in Christian homes. And the sad thing is, many churches don't even address it. In fact, they've completely pushed out. Instead of calling out this idol worship and calling their people to repentance and to rightly honor and worship God on his day, they have capitulated to the idol of youth sports. This is one of the main reasons why churches have Saturday night services. Even though they are terrible for the pastors and they're terrible for the leaders' families in the church, they want to create a space for people to worship God on Saturday night because they're going to be worshiping youth sports on Sunday morning. They know if you put these gods, the real God and the God of youth sports, head to head, the people will skip church nearly every time for sports. Now, that is not a a service time problem. That's a worship problem. Now, I want to get really practical. Some of you are probably rolling your eyes at me, and you are thinking that I am making a big deal out of something that really is harmless. It's not that important, Justin. We're just missing a few Sundays. We just, you know, we've got a lot of practices. We're running around. We don't get to eat dinner. But hey, you know what? I'm, I'm making the sacrifices because my kid's going to be an all-star athlete or my kid's going to be an Olympian. <clears throat> well, because I understand that we justify our behaviors, once we're committed to things, once the rhythms have been set, uh, once we've just already been doing it, we want to justify our actions and it's really hard to course correct. I want to show you some real consequences of the idolization of youth sports and activities. And for those of you who are young parents and your kids aren't in this yet, I want you guys to know this preemptively before you have these battles. First off, sports are a terrible savior. The gospel, according to youth sports, is you can be as good as you want to be. As long as you are willing to work hard for it. Maybe even more specifically, work harder than the next guy or the next gal for it. Now, obviously, that's a lie. That is a false gospel. Though there's, not denying, great value in hard work. Great value in discipline. It's a lie. Some kids have more athletic ability than others. No matter how hard I would have worked, I could have never played NFL football with my size and stature. But many of our kids grow up with this false gospel, and then, like every false gospel and every false god, it inevitably fails them at some point in their life. Sports fail to give them what it promised. It won't, at some point, it fails to give them the friends, the fame, the happiness, or the championships that they expected. And when that failure hits home, 
many kids walk away feeling like failures. Their identity has been crushed. And they believe that God has failed them. Because every Christian athlete knows that they're praying. And we're not supposed to pray to win, but we are praying to win. And we're praying to do our best. And, we're pray- and we want to get better every time. And I remember myself, I got injured the last football game of my senior year, dislocated my elbow. And of course, that was two years, two weeks before my senior wrestling season. And I was ranked third in the state. I had two four-time champs ahead of me. I was really looking forward to my uh, senior year wrestling season. And I got hurt. And I blamed God. How could God do this to me. I've worked so hard for this. I went to a, I saved all my money up my junior year. I didn't go to prom. I saved all my money and I, I paid for myself to go to a 28 day wrestling camp at the university of Minnesota. That was the, the toughest wrestling camp in the nation. And when I was there, I got the hardest worker award when I was there. It's a black hat. They hand out 1200 uh, people there. They only give them out to two people. And I got one of them. And then I got sidelined my last football game of the year. I wasn't even that good at football. I just played hard and liked it. And I got hurt. It cost me a a lot in in my wrestling season. And what happened? The false gospel of sports failed me. Right? And here's what often happens, parents. When sports fail, where they will inevitably fail your children, many times... When you try to talk to your kids, they don't want to listen to you anymore. Why? Because you have been sharing a false gospel with them for so long, the kids no longer trust you. I've seen this over and over and over. Here's, the, here's what they're thinking. You told me I could be great, and I'm clearly not. You told me I could be the best and I'm not. You told me I could win a state championship if I put in all the work and went to all the practices and did all the things. And now I'm not. And I can tell. And part of me doesn't even want to do it anymore. And I don't even enjoy it anymore. And now the kids have in their mind, because you've lied to me, you sold me a false gospel. I don't want to listen to anything you have to say. At this point, many parents try to kind of reach out to a pastor for help. I've had to, I've been brought in with many teenagers at this point as a coach and as a pastor. But most of the time, it's too little, too late. It is probably going to take years for these kids to untangle the lies of the false gospel from the truths of the real gospel. That their identity is separate from their activity in sports, right? Secondly, so first, sports are a terrible savior. Secondly, you teach your children, when you idolize sports, you teach your children that whatever they are into in the moment is more important than the worship of God. Now, you would never vocalize that, right? It said that the most, most of the important lessons in, we learn in life are caught more than taught, right? We know that it matters far more what our parents did than what they actually said to us. When we allow our kids 
to skip church for all these other activities, right? Whatever it is, sports, whatever, whatever the thing is, is going on. We are actually teaching them that their current interests are more important, more important than the worship of God with God's people. Now, this is one of the reasons why so many young people stop attending church consistently when they get older. All they're doing is doing what they were taught by their parents when they're children. That's what a man is. A man becomes what he was taught by his father, by his parents as a boy. That, that's, what a man, that's, that's what a man becomes. I witnessed it with many of my friends growing up. I've witnessed it with many athletes that I've coached. And I've witnessed with many students that were in my youth ministry before I was a church planter and a pastor. See, what happens is their parents let them or encourage them to skip Sunday for sports. So then what happened was many of them, 75% of them, quit sports sometime as a teenager, so they don't have sports competing anymore, but now they get their first job. And what do they do? Of course they don't ask for Sundays off. Sunday's no big deal. Sunday's just another day. I get to do my thing, right? The parents are even okay with this. Hey, at least he's got a job. At least he's doing something responsible. Then when they go off to college, Sunday morning becomes just another study day, just another day to sleep in, just another day to do intramural sports. When they graduate, they do what they've been trained to do their entire life. They do whatever it is they want to do on Sunday morning. Parents often say, we raised our kids better, better than that. No, you didn't. You raised them to put their current interests above God and their church family. Don't be surprised when it takes them years to come back into the church. Many do once they get married or once they get a family. Many do, but many don't. And parents, it is your fault. We are doing this to our children. And we need to quit it. Three, when we idolize sports, especially as parents who were athletes, sports can become what I'm going to call emotional touchstones. What I mean by that is sports become an easy way to emotionally connect with our children, especially if we love sports. Now, the problem, the problem is our kids easily get emotionally confused. Our love for the sport and our love for our children easily get tangled and the kids can't tell if we love them or if we only love their performance as an athlete. And as a youth, as, as a coach for youth sports, I, I've seen this, I see this every single week. Many kids end up doing sports because they know how much it means to their parents. And they really want the approval of their parents. They really want mom or dad to hug them, to love them. And the only time they get verbal affirmation. The only time they see mom's face light up is when they score a goal. The only time they see dad jump up and down is when they get a takedown or they get a touchdown. 
Now, this is emotionally abusive. This is emotionally damaging to a young person's soul and psyche. They began, they began to confuse their God-given identity as a son or daughter of God with that, that they just inherently have dignity, value, worth. They are loved where they're at for who they are. They get that confused and, and like I said before, entangled with the self-earned, self-created identity of athlete. And what happens is somewhere along the line, <clears throat> they no longer do the sport for the love of the game. They do it to earn an identity. They do it to earn the approval and the acceptance as an athlete from their parents, peers, and coaches. I want to be a cool kid. I want to wear the varsity letter jacket. I want to be in that clique or get that girl, or I want my parents to, uh, you know, to approve of me. And so I have to do this thing. And that puts so much pressure on kids that when they, it's many times it hinders even their sports performance. This is why one of the crazy things that we're doing these days, we have sports psychologists for our children's because because we know that the mental game is so important. Well, the pressure we're putting on our children because we have this emotional touchstone, sports becomes this emotional touchstone, it's putting this emotional pressure on them to go out there and perform, and if they don't perform well, they fear they're going to lose their love, lose the affection of their parents, or they're going to lose the um, self-earned identity as a successful athlete from their peers. This is happening because of the idolization of youth sports. Lastly, fourth, when we idolize youth sports, sports become the primary way we try to shape the character of our kids. I can't tell you how many times that I've been told this. Here's the quote. We, hey, we, we're really involved in sports because we believe that sports shape character. Pastor, the reason we're never there on Sunday morning is because we really believe that sports shape the character of our kids. Hey, I agree with that in in a small way, right? Hard work, perseverance, delayed gratification, discipline, mental toughness, courage. Yes. Now, I don't completely disagree with with the statement sports develop character, all right? But can I ask you, if that's true, that's universally true, when you look at the best of the best, the professional athletes, show me the ones, like how many of them have the Christian character that you're hoping your kids would come to possess? How many of them are worshiping God with all their life, are enjoying God and worshiping Him and glorifying Him, and that's the aim of their life, right? That's the goal of character, to develop us into that type of person, right? Now listen, this is why renowned basketball coach John Wooden said this, quote, sports don't build character, they reveal it, they reveal character. I have coached several truly great wrestlers who had self-control, they had discipline, they had courage, 
They had an absolute, absolutely amazing work ethic in high school. They went on to achieve high things, go to some of the, the top wrestling, wrestling schools, wrestling colleges in the country. But as soon as the sport was taken away, and the sport is taken away from all of us, from most of us, most of the time. You know what happened when they lost their sport? They lost their character as well. I know plenty of highly successful wrestlers who became addicted to drugs and alcohol, who are currently obese and overweight. They haven't developed real Christian character. They haven't kept a job. They're not loving a wife. They're not carrying a heavy load. They're not responsible. They're not doing good in our communities. Now, the idea that sports should be the primary way we develop character in our kids is foolish. And it is not a biblical idea. So, what should we do if we realize... We're looking at this thing, we're listening, we're saying, okay, crap. Maybe we've gone too far. Maybe we've crossed the line. Maybe we are making an idol out of youth sports. What should we do? Well, there's there's two things we need to do. One, confess it to God and somebody else in your missional community. Be honest and let them know that God has opened your eyes. He's made you aware. He's revealed to you an area where you have fallen short and ask your MC or ask your fight club, ask the person with you, ask them to help you process it, help you walk it out, help you think through it, see how far the rabbit hole goes. Secondly, repent. This means to stop the direction you're headed, to turn and change directions. You were worshiping sports. You turn away from that and you worship God. Insight is never enough. Just knowing, oh yeah, I struggle with this, I struggle with this, and then just continuing the same behaviors, that is not repentance. You must change. You have to change your family's rhythms. If you haven't changed or you refuse to change your family's rhythms, then you have not repented. You might be saying, oh, I'm sorry. No, you just feel bad. You know it's wrong, but because you love sports more than you love God, you're still worshiping sports. You actually have to change your rhythms. If you haven't changed your rhythms, you haven't repented. You're still worshiping a false God. So what does that look like? What does it look like to change our family's rhythms? Here are some ideas on what true repentance is should look like in your life. One, we are going to make Sunday worship a priority. Now listen, I'm not being legalistic on this. You might even say, the only time we're going to miss Sunday gathered worship is for emergencies, for vacations, and for the occasional By occasional, I mean one to three times per year, unique event. I am thinking here about the championship game that falls on a Sunday morning. Personally, I don't have a problem uh, with you letting your kid take a Sunday off and worshiping or worshiping and wrestling or competing for a championship game. 
The problem is when it says when when your kids got thirty games and half of them are on Sundays and you're missing ten Sundays a week a year or whatever. The occasional Sunday, I don't have a problem with that, right? So one, we're going to make Sunday worship a priority. And that priority is seen in our schedule, not in your heart, not how you feel about it. Yeah, yeah, it's important, but you're, you're, you're gone all the time. Secondly, we are going to eat dinner together three to five nights a week. We're going to make that happen. Whether if it's got to be at seven o'clock at night or if it's at five o'clock, whenever it is, we're going to sit down. We're going to put our phones away. We are going to look each other in the eye and we're going to ask each other how our days were. We're going to go over our highs and lows for the day, what our hopes and dreams are for tomorrow. We're going to talk about other things. We're going to talk about the worship of God. We're going to do, right now it's Advent. We're going to do an Advent devotional. We're going to light the Advent candle. We're going to talk about how God became man and how Christ is coming back again. We're going to discuss God and real life around the dinner table. Three, we are going to practice family devotions or some kind of family Bible study, family worship to help our kids come to know and love God through his word. We're going to say, I will not be more concerned with my kid's athletic ability than I am with his spiritual life. I'm not going to be concerned more with his physical fitness than I am with his spiritual fitness. So we're going to do a family worship. We're going to, around the dinner table maybe, we're going to do a a devotion. Uh, At bedtime, we're going to pray together um, with all of our kids. We're going to read through a book together. We're going to read through the devotion together. We're going to read through the Bible together. My kids are growing up in teenage years. They're getting that 12, 11, 12. I'm going to start teaching my kid how to read through the Bible in a year. Maybe we're going to listen to the daily liturgy podcast together every single morning. So, lastly, here we go. Step one, if you've made an idol out of youth sports, confess it. Step two, repent, change your rhythms. Step three, believe the gospel. God loves you. And God loves your family, and God loves your kids more than you do. God is the perfect father, and his son, Jesus, mind you, never played a sport in his life, and Jesus turned out pretty good. Trust God. Trust God and trust his plan for your family's life and for their development. When you are tempted to give in and worship the idol of youth sports, remember the gospel. Coaches will try to guilt you into breaking your new rhythms. Why? They want to win. Plain and simple. They want to win. They want their best players there. They're going to try to, every trick they know, they're going to tell you your kid's got potential. They're going to tell you your kid could be all-star. They're going to tell you your kid could get a, get a scholarship. They're going, to, they're going to try to lure and entice you with all kind of lies. Parents of your kids' friends will look at you like you are some kind of negligent parent because your kid doesn't do everything. Even your own child might get angry at you because he doesn't get to do what all all of his other friends get to do. 
That's okay. Why? That's why God made you the parent. That's why you are you have the emotional stability, the emotional maturity, the spiritual maturity to do the hard thing. Your child doesn't have that yet. Your child's self-control and his will has not been developed yet. Yours I pray, has, so you can stand up to that pressure and say, no, we're not going to do it. God made me the parent, and I, you know what, and this is why I need the gospel every single day, right? My approval and my success as a parent doesn't come from my kids' coaches. It doesn't come from my kids' peers. It doesn't come from my kids' peers' parents or even from my child. Our approval as parents has to come from God through Jesus. Sports will never give us or our kids what Jesus has given us. That's the beauty of the grace of God that's only found in the gospel. So let's put God where he belongs. Let's orbit our homes and orbit our lives around him. Let's put him at the center of our families, not just in word, not just in thought, not just a, a, a sentimental feeling in our heart. Let's let our lives and our schedules revolve around Him, not our kids' activities. All right, guys, I hope that was helpful for you. Um, if you think I missed something, if you disagree, if you hate me, message me, comment. Send me an email, justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. Let me know. If I miss something, you want something else addressed, um, let me know. I'd love to address it. Also, um, I get some emails that say this podcast is being helpful to some of you. I I appreciate that. Um, But a lot of people don't know about us. And because of Facebook and all the algorithms out there, it's kind of hard to get recognized and get noticed. And so it would really give us, it would, it would be a, it would do us a huge favor. If you could like us on Facebook, you could give us a rating on iTunes. You could leave a comment for us. Um, you could share us on Facebook or, uh, share us on, uh, social media. It would do us a huge solid. We would really appreciate that. So thank you for the time together, guys. And I will see you soon. Mm-hmm.